Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Peyton Lasivita. Peyton is going to talk to you today about his experience growing up in the bar business, everything you have to do to succeed in the bar business. Him and his dad, they've had 28 bars over their lifetime, and they've seen everything. He's going to talk to you about marketing tips, how to run a bar, and how to make money in the bar business. And then we're going to transition into Amazon. So Peyton and his business partner right now are selling the number one balsamic vinegar on Amazon. It's called Mia Bella. They hit number one on Amazon, and they are killing it right now. You're going to learn what it takes to sell on Amazon, different techniques and tips, and he's going to give you all kinds of marketing tips. He's, he's quite the marketing guru, if you ask me. So there's going to be a lot of stuff in this show you're going to like, whether you you want to start your own bar, you want to run a bar business, or if you want to sell on Amazon. And speaking of Amazon, if you haven't heard already, I made a deal with Arctic Stick on Amazon this past weekend, and you can listen to that show. It's episode 64, aired Tuesday. It's pitching Arctic Stick to Amazon. I actually took the mic in with me and recorded the whole experience. So if you want to listen to that, that's episode 64, pitching Arctic Stick to Amazon. You can hear my experience pitching Amazon and all the questions they ask me. So let's jump right in today's show and you can hear from Peyton how to run a bar business and how to be number one on Amazon. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brennan T. Adams and on today's show we have Peyton Lasivita. Peyton is the guy that gets his product, Mia Bella, number one on Amazon. He's been in the restaurant business. He he has so much content to give you today, great stuff. So Peyton, tell me where you got started as an entrepreneur, how it led you to the restaurant business, and then we'll go into detail from there. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad was an entrepreneur my whole life. Uh, I remember, so I first kind of started when I'd go to meetings with him, I'd go to his offices and I'd sit outside the front of his office and yeah. drop pictures and sell to people that are walking by, uh, make paper airplanes. I found out like people pay more for paper airplanes than they do for pictures. <laughs> uh, so, so that's kind of how I got my entrepreneurial start. Um, through high school, you know, I started some clubs, some nonprofit type mm-hmm. stuff, that kind of thing. So always kind of had that bug then. Um, played football in high school, made it to college, played football in college. and uh, Quarterback? That, Quarterback, yeah. Quarterback? quarterback, wow, that's awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I went out to Cal Lutheran for a year. Um, was getting my degree in business. Kind of knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and then uh, my football career ended a little short. And made my way back to the valley in Phoenix, and um, just started doing businesses with other people. Um, you know, I interned with some startups, that kind of thing, just to kind of learn the ropes. Um, then I started a company called BacklitClocks.com with a buddy of mine, and uh, yeah. we, it was an e-commerce kind of fully automated website. We ran that for a little while, made some decent money, and then uh, sold that off. Um, 
and during this entire time, like I grew up in the restaurant industry. Um, so while this is going on, I'm helping my family run our family restaurants. Um, so my dad's had 28 restaurants throughout his lifetime. Um, and in my lifetime, 28. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then in my lifetime, um, I, I haven't kept track of how many we've had. We've got two right now. Um, and they're called Cogburns. Um, and we've, uh, we've had them since 2011. Um, for anybody listening, anybody listening, this is in Phoenix. Yes. Phoenix, yes. Arizona. Okay. Uh, the restaurants are, uh, so Phoenix, if you're not familiar with Phoenix, it's a huge metropolitan area. It's, uh, you know, there's the city of Phoenix, but then there's all the surrounding cities that are kind of like the same thing. They're all part of Phoenix. So you got Tempe, Gilbert, Chandler, Guadalupe, you know, Guadalupe. Yeah. You know, just, it's huge. Um, and so the restaurants that we have are in the Southeast Valley and Mesa and Gilbert. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up in that, um, really learned a lot about customer service, a lot about sales, a lot about marketing and branding, that kind of thing. Um, and you, did you do everything? I mean, you were from the bus boy to bartender to cook. I mean, Oh man. Yeah. So I, uh, I started out when I was super young again, selling paper airplanes and pictures and stuff like that. I was also the, the best dishwasher, you know, you money could get, I got like a dime for every dish I did and every, you know, I got a nickel for every glass I washed, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I started out from there, worked my way up, uh, eventually was old enough to serve because you have to be 19 to serve alcohol in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, so eventually got old enough to serve. So I became a server, started doing that because that was better money with tips. Um, and then uh, I actually bartended for a couple years. And I bartended for a couple years before I ever tasted alcohol. Um, I didn't have a single drop of alcohol until I was 21. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I can't actually, say the same, man. I, yeah. I learned it like <laughs> think, age can. twelve. <laughs> but. Not many can. Um, it was kind of funny though, because the way I would bartend and, and I would increase my sales because I would sell a, a mixed drink without knowing what it tasted like, and I would tell the person who asked me to make it for him, "I've never tasted it, so tell me if it tastes good or not." And then they would always say, "Yeah, it's great, but do this next time." And so after they'd finished the drink, I'd be like, "Okay, you ready for your second one? I'll do it the way you like it." And they were always like, I guess I got to buy a second one because <laughs> I love it. Know, gotta make it so. You're a marketing man. Oh. It, it increased my sales and tips and people loved it. And so I did that. Um, and now uh, my role in the restaurants is I, I do all the marketing for the restaurants now. Um, what kind I'm of not, marketing do you do? It's very traditional uh, with our restaurants. We're kind of out on the outskirts, um, kind of that between rural and suburban areas. Um, and so we do a lot of like the traditional marketing. We're big on radio. We're kind of a Johnny Cash meets ACDC environment. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of our clientele listens to country radio. So we're, we're all over the radio. People love hearing our ads for that. Um, we do the mailers. You know, we're, we're out in the area where people, you know, still check their USPS And that, that still works. Oh, it's killer for us. Um, you know, we get a lot of snowbirds too. And so, you know, they, they love those coupons and that kind of thing, um, works really, really well. Um, you know, we've kind of just built also a brand that people love to follow. And so I'll send you some pictures and stuff like that. We have some, we have a group of people called the regulars and I have nothing to do with this other than just like building a place and they will come kind of deal. Yeah. They made shirts for the football season that say regular on the back instead of like something that says staff. And then like they have their football team on the front. 
they have like assigned seating at the bar that they, I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. And they, they have their own Facebook group that I didn't even know for like a year. And they like do all the marketing for me. Like if we're slow and one of the regulars are there, they'll send out a message saying like, Hey, you know, I'm having tacos by myself right now. Everybody needs to get here. And like 10 people will show up. That's awesome, man. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's really cool. We built a great brand um, where it's an easy to replicate brand. Uh, our whole goal is to get to probably five to ten locations around the valley. Um, and wow! So that's yeah, awesome. we're we're rocking and rolling. That's been that's been a blast. So that's kind of been my uh, my forte or or training for entrepreneurship is in the hospitality restaurant industry. So so tell me what would be I guess for anybody in the restaurant industry listening, what tips do you have for them to succeed in the restaurant industry? What three tips? Man, restaurant industry is so tough. I uh, It is. It is. I used to I bartend mean, myself. It's fun, but I've seen oh, how tough it is to survive. Yeah. I mean, most... So I own a... One of the companies I own is an ice business, and we have a lot of bars. And I always say to my dad, I can tell which ones are going to basically fail within the first year. And yeah. we're almost always right. You can just tell by basically the person behind it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I mean, there's so much work behind it. So what, what are the three tips you would give? Learn as much as you can. Uh, I mean, everybody and their best friend wants to own a bar. Everybody and their best friend wants to open a restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that. And it's like, you, you can go to as many as you want and like come up with all the ideas you want, but it, seeing it, as a customer is nothing like running it as a, as a business owner. Um, I, I always tell people, they ask me, you know, like, Oh, I want to open a restaurant. What do you want to, you know, what do you think? And I, I always tell people like, I don't ever want to rely on a restaurant to put food on my family's table. Um, you know, kind of deal. It's kind of funny. Cause it's like your restaurant, and you're putting food on people's tables for them to eat and all that kind of stuff. But it's one of those things like in restaurants, when it's good, it's the best. It's a super cash heavy business. Um, yeah. but you need to have a ton of money left over because when it's bad, it's the worst. Um, and th- there is nothing worse than a bad economy and having a restaurant. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so definitely that. And then just bring people in and surround yourself with people who have industry experience, who have restaurant experience, who are used to the turnover. You're going to have a ton of turnover on the employee side, especially front of house. Um, and then keep things consistent. You know, people love consistency. And if you're always changing who your food supplier is, if you're always changing, uh, I mean, you can change the menu all you want, as long as the food kind of has a theme or has somebody behind it that is producing the type of flavor profile that the customers expect when they show up to your place. So a theme is everything, isn't it? You look at the yeah. best bars, they have a cool theme. So what would be kind of the theme that you guys have at your bar besides so, the regulars? <laughs> so the way it worked out is, um, out of the 28 bars my dad's had, he's only had three fail. Um, and one of them came in 2008. It actually, it happened in 2011, but it started in 2008 when the economy tanked. We had a super high end style sports bar. Um, filet mignon, salmon, steak, I mean, everything you can think of, 64 items on the menu. It's like you're walking into wow. Fleming's or Ruth Chris, but then you get like all the sports you want. It was awesome. And um, we kicked butt with that concept for a long time. And then when the economy hit, is like not what people were looking for. Um, and so in 2011, we shut that down and kind of regrouped. And uh, we did a refocus and rebrand 
on the restaurant we had and the area we were in. Um, so wherever you go with your restaurant, you really want to focus on who your clientele is in the, in the geographic area. Um, and so we went with like that Johnny Cash meets ACDC environment, you know, kind of country rocking, um, you know, modern day cowboy biker type style type place. Um, we have 22 beers on draft that are all handpicked for people in the area. Like we have PBR and it's not for the hipsters. It's PBR for the guys who've been drinking PBR since like, you know, that's my kind of stuff. Yeah. We have, uh, I mean, I love PBR, but that's another story. But then we have a Coors Banquet on draft, like, yeah. you know, who, ha- and we sell a lot of Coors Banquet, which is like, you know, the cowboy, the cowboy for banquet beer type thing. And, uh, you know, we just handpicked everything. We dropped our menu from 64 items to 32. Um, and we focused on like our wings. So we're like a wing house. Um, we don't advertise as a sports bar. We advertise as a wing house, good food, great beer, loud rock and music vibe. But we also show every NFL game, all the UFC fights, all that kind of stuff. So, okay. So you, you guys, a theme is very important, obviously. Now, what about the importance of food? How important is that for because some bars they just do liquor and beer and they don't have food. How important is the food and do you actually make more money in the food end or the beverage end? So, um food is really tough especially right now because food costs are so up and down. Um I mean, our focus is wings and chicken right now is just through the roof. It's gone up I want to say like 200% in price over the last 12 18 months. Wow. Um, yeah. And usually it goes down. Uh, it, it has, it's seasonal. Um, but I, I don't really know exactly what's going on, but it has gone up a lot, but we have to stay consistent because our wings are our kind of staple item. And if we don't have the good wings, then people aren't going to keep coming. Um, you know, our official name is Cogburn's big wings. And so like people expect us to have the biggest and the best wings. Um, we have both, I mean, we have a full bar, um, all the liquor, 22 beers, tons of bottle beers, um, and then and a, a menu item like food items with from wings to pizza to burgers, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we actually sell about 50 50 um, in terms of sales, which is great for us because there's different liquor licenses in Arizona. Um, yeah. And we have a restaurant license, which means we have to sell at least 40% food. Um, and the fact that we do sell 50% food is. It's great. It's um, awesome. Yeah, it, it's amazing because, yeah, most people don't get get away with that, um, especially with the type of place that we have. I mean, you walk in and it, it, even though we like promote the family atmosphere kind of deal, the local watering hole, um, it, to sell that much food on a bar that's open till two a.m. every night, like that's that's insane. Yeah, that it shows <laughs> a lot with our menu, and it shows that we do a really good job with that, and it's really important to have that diversity in your business um so that you're not just relying on one form of income yeah well one last question i want to ask you because i'm interested for the restaurant business i know back when i was uh in high school i like you said everybody wants to run a bar and my one of my best friends and i uh we had always said well we're gonna have bars someday we're gonna make a killing everything else and then after seeing how much work it is i'm like i don't want to be on that side of the the bar i don't want to do that but what what would you say would be the biggest mistakes most people make getting into the bar business um i i think they underestimate how much it's going to cost 
you know, um, uh, and if you haven't done it before, you go out and get a bunch of bids to build your space and to do the brand you want and all that kind of stuff. And, and you can get bid out to, for example, like our locations, we've gotten bids for one to 1.5 million to build it out. Right. Yeah. Um, we do everything ourselves. Like we built the entire bar, we built the tables, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and did it for under 500. Wow. Um, and so I think a lot of people go into the, the business or go into the industry going, okay, I'm going to go out and get all these bids. They think they're going to be able to do it for under a million dollars. Right. And then they go out and get these bids. It's more than that. And then it ends up costing more than that because there's unexpected costs during the construction phase. Um, but because, you know, my dad's been doing it since he was 19 and the people we surround ourselves with, they've been in the industry. I've been doing this since the day I was born. Yeah. Um, you know, we know where we can cut costs. We have the connections in the industry. So I think the best thing to do is to find somebody who's already been there, done that and partner with them. Um, and for, for example, if you and your buddy end up wanting to go do it, you know, later on you make a killing, you guys are going to go open a bunch of bars, like, and you don't want to deal with all the work, like find somebody who that's what they want to do. Um, you know, and that's kind of what we did with this location. It's like, this is stuff that my dad and I have done my entire life. So we went out and got investors who all wanted to own a bar, but we told them like, you can't say like, you you can't come in and tell us how to do it. Like we will make your money back. You will own the bar. You're going to love the place. It's going to be, you know, a reflection of you and the brand that you want, but you have to trust us and knowing what we're doing. And, um, every single one of our investors has just been so thrilled with the result. We get their money back so fast. So. Well, don't reinvent the wheel. If you guys know what you're doing, then stick with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I think a lot of people, they try to get into the industry and they, you know, I've got this great new concept idea. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. People are going to love it. And then they open their door and then it's like, okay, well now what? And nobody's showing up and that kind of stuff. And, and then they just start throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks and, that's yeah, and then they're broke before they know it. <clears throat> yeah. Or oh. the other thing is, uh, the bar, the bar owner being the num, they're they're their own best customer, and they just get drunk. <laughs> oh yeah, and I've seen that happen to a lot of bars. You know, they have twenty owners, right? And they all go and they all agreed with each other mm. in the beginning that they all get to drink for free and eat for free, and they run themselves out of business. Like, <laughs> I, I'm an owner. You know, I, I got a bunch of partners. My dad's an owner. All that kind of stuff. Like. I always, if I go there to drink, which is very rarely, I don't even drink that much anyways, but if I go there to drink, like I pay for it. Um, Smart. <laughs> I don't get a free meal unless I'm there working that day. And that's like the same with all of our employees. Um, you know, they, they get discounts on meals and they get it when the days that they work. And if I'm there, if I have a meeting there and it has nothing to do with the restaurant, I'm paying for that meal. Like that's, that's how it should just, be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's important to do it that way too for our investors because then they understand that, you know, we're not just using the bar for other projects or other business ventures or for our own advantage. Like this is a business in itself. Um, And so they really respect that and it's turned out really well. And all of our investors, you know, they all have the VIP card and get their discounts. (laughs) But it's nothing like where, yeah, they get to come in and just, I'm the owner, I get to do what I want and all that kind of stuff. well, it's clear that you know your stuff in the bar business, restaurant business. Now, tell me how it led to you getting in for balsamic vinegar and getting, I mean, Mia Bella number one on Amazon. Let's hear about that. How you even got started with that and led to where you're at with it. Yeah, so Mia Bella is uh, definitely my main focus right now. Um, I mean, I've got a ton of projects, but Mia Bella is, 
I tell people it's my baby. Um, I started with Mia Bella um, a little over two years ago, and it is something a, a good friend of mine was working on, and he is a just branding genius, um, e-commerce guy, like has done very, very well with other businesses and kind of the consumer packaged good industry, um, foods type, type products. Yeah. Um, and so he was working on, on this project, Mia Bella, and he was showing it to me and, and we, we had tried a, uh, super high end traditional balsamic that are usually like 3.8 ounce bottles for $300 a bottle. You know, it's just, just ridiculous amounts of money. Um, but it's completely different than what we think of balsamic vinegar is in the United States. Um, what we think here in the U.S., balsamic vinegar is very bitter, watered down, something you, uh, what I call splash cook with. You throw it in the pan and you, you saute a bunch of meat and vegetables and stuff like that and you get that bitter, sour taste. Yeah. Um, which is great. I mean, it's a great product for that kind of things. But it's not what balsamic vinegar is um, in, in terms of where it comes from in Italy. And so we tried this balsamic and we're like, okay, well, this is like groundbreaking. It's amazing. It's by far the most uh, versatile product, food product I've ever come across. Um, and so we started looking at the marketplace and saw this like huge opportunity to introduce to the U.S. a product that we are unfamiliar with, but that our consumer market would just fall in love with. Um, but there was no one really doing it at an approachable price. You know, it was, it's always been protected and at this like outrageous, unapproachable, super luxury product. Um, and so I came in, I was like, okay, I love this product and I, I'm a sales guy. Like that's just kind of where I came from. Yeah. It's my background. It's what I do. You know, it's, it's just kind of in my, my DNA. Um, and so he's the branding expert, had this amazing product. Um, nothing had launched quite yet. And I said, I loved it and I wanted to help him do the biz dev and sales and stuff like that. And so we got into it. We ordered our first batch, got it all packaged up and ready to go. And put boots on the ground and just just started running um and so for the past two years uh we've gone from kind of a no-name brand to uh, the number one bestseller in every balsamic category on amazon um so bestseller top rated most wished for and best gift for all of uh balsamics and i mean that wasn't easy for you i mean you had to go door to door when you started out you guys went to every store and just work the grounds in the field, didn't you? Yeah, so we knew that this would be a great product for for Amazon and for for online e-commerce because you can, I mean, the things you can do online nowadays are just amazing. You can reach everybody. You can reach the people who are looking for your product. You know, you're not going literally door to door. But when we first started, uh, you know, I had to pay the bills. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) And so, um, and I wasn't bartending anymore. So I... uh, (laughs) I took the product and uh, I was when I when I got started with the company I uh, was was dating my now fiance uh, out in California and I was in Arizona and uh, California Southern California is a great market for gourmet foods and so I filled up my car with product and went out and visited her and while she was at work I went door to door to every grocery store I could find to get Mia Bella into it and. Uh, Day one, I walked into a grocery store. I shared it with. I walked. I walked up to the cashier actually, and I said, "Okay, so I don't know what I'm doing. I've got this product, this food product that is amazing, and I think everybody will love it. But I don't know how to get it in the store. What do I do?" And and she kind of looked at me and was like, "I don't know. Like, <laughs> just 
ring stuff up. Hmm. And so she she took me in back to this guy and uh, this guy named Jim. And Jim uh, looked at me and he's like, "What do you got?" And I showed it to him and I let him taste it. And he goes, "All right, give me a case." And so I sold my first case. Um, and then I told him, you know, so now what? And he's like, well, we'll just see if it sells. And I go, well, how can I help it sell? And I, uh, I showed up over that weekend and just, and set up a table and I, I sat there for three or four hours and I demoed the product and we sold two cases worth of Miabella, um, nice nice. in that weekend. And so then I figured out like, this is what I got to do because this is how we're going to move this product This is how I'm going to pay my bills. And this is how Miabella is going to grow. And so now we're two and a half years later, we're in over 60 retailers between Arizona, California, um, and then a few others scattered around the U.S. Um, and then, so that, that was kind of our original cash flow. Um, and yeah. over that time, the rest of the team um, and myself were really pushing hard and working hard on the Amazon stuff um, and, and doing really well online. And now that has just, in the last six months, absolutely blown up so we were number one our first holiday season on amazon um but it was only for a short-lived time you know our product it's individually numbered signed and inspected small batches of a thousand super high quality product yeah no added sugars flavors preservatives anything like that so during the holidays it's like the ultimate gift right so yeah. any foodie in your life like this is something like foodies know about and they freak out when they get it kind of deal um <laughs> Yeah, so we, we were number one during that time, but we weren't top rated yet. Um, you know, we weren't most wished for. We weren't best gift, but we, we'd hit that number one spot for, you know, a good 30 days or so. Um, we actually sold out of product for a few months. Um, wow, which is, good problem yeah, to have. It, it is a good problem to have, but it's tough with our product because it's like it only comes in these, you know, small batches, you know, because it is such a hard to find premium quality product. Um, so we've since then fixed that kind of supply chain funnel, um, and, and, uh, just been working really hard to, to get it. So what, it what are some of the techniques you guys used to make it number one on Amazon? Because everybody's wondering, like, how do you get your product to be number one on Amazon where it's easily found? So, um, Amazon is a great place to launch brands, um, it, it, the problem is they take a lot. I mean, they take up to 25% of your margin. Um, we knew we had a great product for Amazon because we looked at the category and there were no real leaders in the category. Um, nobody was really doing this. Um, and if they were, it was all over the place. You know, it was $80 a bottle to $20 a bottle and nobody had that like middle ground, that perfect price point and, and a perfect price high quality product a lot of people you know mix balsamic with other things and that kind of stuff and so we saw this niche on amazon to lead the category and um reviews on amazon are huge uh and so what we do is we we have our website our shopify e-commerce site up and uh, as you've learned over the past <laughs> 20 days or so we're really heavy in in retargeting oh yeah definitely it's every page i'm on i see Basalic vinegar, it's like everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So what we found is a lot of people would go to our website and um, go straight from our website to Amazon and buy our product on Amazon. Um, and so we focused our, our ad efforts heavily on getting people to our website to educate them about our product and the difference of, of our product compared to what else was in the market. And 
whatever reason, either they're comfortable on Amazon or they had already filled out their information on Amazon or they had that one click buy it now prime membership type thing. Um, we started getting sales on Amazon and, um, Amazon doesn't provide you as a seller with a lot of information either. Um, but what we were able to do is literally hand write notes to send to our customers. Um, and so for the first six to 12 months, we were handwriting letters saying, thank you for your purchase. We'd love it if you would review our product, you know, all that Handwritten letters to everyone. Yeah. yeah, we were just, I mean, wow. you got you to gotta do the things that are unscalable to get to a point to where you scalable. need to scale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, we've since moved to, to email. Um, we're able to do, or not email necessarily, but it goes into their email inbox, but it's messages through Amazon. Um, saying thank you and asking for their review. Um, and so our reviews started to climb. And as our reviews started to climb, we started to climb in that top rated category. Um, and then we'd get into the top three. And then our selling would be, you know, top five consistently, top 10 consistently. And from there, we've just seen growth um, of about 200% every year. And now this year, we are number one in every possible rated category. So. So Amazon, give me some tips because I'm actually going to Atlanta this week to pitch my product, the Arctic Stick, to Amazon to get a purchase order. What is um, interesting? Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I'm speaking at the event that I'm actually pitching a product, but what are they looking for? I mean, what are they looking for in terms of your product and what you can offer them? Obviously, they probably want you to market as much as you can to t drive sales to their uh, Amazon online. Right. Yeah. So, what do they want? So um, we work a little differently. Uh, we do not sell directly to Amazon. We have our own branded seller accounts. Yep. Uh, so people are buying from our brand. Um, and we like that because at all times we get to control the price of our own branded product. So you have uh, a, you're like through Amazon, but your own account. So you have a deal made with them? No, so the back end, the way the back end of Amazon works is there's multiple accounts. So you can you can be a seller on Amazon and treat it kind of like an eBay, where it's like you've got some used products, you've got some new products in your house, you're just trying to offload, and you, you there's a seller account for that. And then there's like a, a, a what they call a merchant seller account, which is it, it costs a certain amount each month, and you get this whole private back end to handle all of your inventory that you're going to sell on Amazon and through Amazon. And so what we do is we call, we do what's called FBA. It's fulfilled by Amazon. Oh yeah, but, definitely. I'm but, working on them now. It, yeah. But it's sold by us. Um, and we'll kind of always keep it that way. Um, because like I said, we get to control our price at all times. We get to monitor our inventory at all times. So, um, we ship out pallets at a time to Amazon. Um, we do our own forecasting, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that kind of seller account is is great for private brands like ours, as well as people who are trying to sell like textiles, like tons of shoes, shirts, pants, that kind of stuff that people are just buying anyways on Amazon. Um, there's some great tools like Techometrics that are, you know, they're really expensive, but it's like treating Amazon like the stock market and yeah. you can make a ton of money if you do it right. Um but but yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, 
you're, you're going to go try and sell to Amazon. That's something that we've never wanted to do or really looked at doing um, just because we like to be in control of our brand and everything that's going on there. But a lot of people have a ton of success selling directly to Amazon. So um, a buddy of mine works at um, Tufton Needle and they do both. Yeah. So they have their own brand and they sell to Amazon. Oh, so you do both ends then? You can, yeah. You, you totally can. Um, the problem is you might run into getting into a price war with Amazon because Amazon is all about moving product. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so if you are selling against Amazon and your price is lower than their price, they're going to keep lowering their price until... <laughs> it's kind of pointless, yeah. Yeah, so... So now... Amazon, let me hear more. I want to hear about Shopify because I obviously, when I went to your site and then for the last 20 days, I've been having <laughs> ads pop up. Yeah. And uh, Mia Bella is, I've been dreaming about it. I mean, your marketing's working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's the result we want. Yeah. Bella's in your dream. Yeah. Uh, now I need to, I'm, you know, you talk about cooking. I'm going to have to buy some for my father. He loves to cook and he'll love this product. So tell me, Shopify. Tell me how it works and how the success, how it's really worked well for you guys. Yeah, so I'm a huge Shopify advocate. Um, I don't work for them. They don't pay me for saying any of this kind of stuff. But I've been using Shopify since the early days. And I told you earlier that this is kind of a, a result of Tim Ferriss kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Shopify, I've done stuff with Magento, um, done some work with like CS Cart. I've done a lot of work with the e-commerce sites. Um, Shopify by far is my favorite. It's the most uh, user-friendly um, and their app like API plugins and stuff like that that you can do is just, it's endless. It's amazing how many different things. And, and I think it was a few different things that you asked me about on our site alone. And I was like, oh, that's an app plugin. That's an app plugin. And it's, it looks, I mean, it's very custom. It's very fitting to what your site I mean, the capabilities are just endless. And it's all through Shopify. So even when I went on yeah. there and it says somebody from this country is buying Mia Bella at this moment, that's yep. part of Shopify. Yes. Yeah. So um, that was just a plug-in. I actually saw that on a, a coffee site that I really enjoyed. Um, and I was like, dude, I want that on my site. And so, um, you know, I Google Chrome. I went to developer tools and tried to look at where it was. And I found the name of the app. And I was like, oh, this is an app. And then realized that they were on a Shopify site and went into my own uh, app store on Shopify and within 10 minutes it was plugged in and running and every time somebody made a purchase the the notification popped up for other people to see and that's just one of those things it's like for us and our product it helps because that's like you know your peers if you're seeing your peers purchase the product you know, it, it kind of entices you to be interested to purchase it as well. No, I, I'm very interested by it. I've never actually used it. So tell me, what would it, how easy is it to get involved to have Shopify uh, for your product for in your website? So I've done little experiments. Um, depending on what your product is and how advanced you want your website to look, you can have a Shopify store set up and selling and ready to go in just a few hours. Wow. <laughs> um, there are tons of custom templates. There's tons of, there's tons of people who do like just Shopify stores in terms of design. And you can pick a template that you really like. You can install the template and then you can reach out to these people and any customization you want, they can do extremely quickly because they're so used to working on the platform. Um, the support 
behind Shopify is, is fantastic. You know, I've, I met with one of their, their UI directors, UX directors, and he's an awesome guy. It's a Canada company, but like everybody in the U S is very familiar with it. They, it's just awesome. And now they start doing their own, um, checkouts. So if you don't want to use PayPal or go through that system, um, you can use the Shopify checkouts. We actually use uh, Braintree for our checkouts now. Yes. Um, which, which we just switched to. And, and so far it's, it's been awesome. Um, they, they Shopify allows you to work with a lot of other outside companies as well, which has been great. So, um, it's very, it's just very flexible. Yeah. I, I definitely, I, I see myself now using, going to be using it with my product, the Arctic stick. It, it, I see the, on the other side of the spectrum when I'm going on your site, what it does, and it, it really does get you thinking about it. And that's what marketing is all about. And you are clearly a marketing expert. What are some tips you can give to people out there listening, uh, tips on marketing, what, what to do to get success with selling their product or anything else? Yeah, so um... – Thank you for the compliment on the marketing part. Well, I, I, I can just tell them, I mean, just everything I've heard from you, you know your marketing, and marketing's everything in yeah. business. I mean, I always say 90% marketing, 10% product, because it's how you perceive it and get out there and letting people know about it. Yeah, well, and and, and so kind of to, to piggyback off what you just said, um, marketing and sales kind of go hand in hand nowadays. It's no longer kind of a you know, there's a sales department and a marketing department. It is kind of one and the same with the way just the marketplace is now. Um, and it's super easy to sell a product that you love yeah. um, or to market a product that you love. Um, and so that's why when, you know, my, my partner was launching Miabella and I saw it and I was just like, I, I need to be involved in this because I fell in love with the product. And if I fell in love with the product, I know that I could get other people to do it. Um, and so I guess my tips, um, in the beginning, it's, it's all about hustle. Uh, you just got to get out there and pound pavement and knock on doors and shout it from the mountaintops and hustle, <laughs> hustle, hustle. Tell the world. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest guy and, and I just, I take a lot of what I do and, and kind of, uh, reference my football days and I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the fastest guy. I'm not the strongest guy, but I was only at work. Yeah fairly good at what I did because I just worked really hard. Um, I studied a lot, um, all that kind of stuff. And so it's the same thing with business. You just got to hustle. You got to work super hard. Um, you may not have, you know, $50 million in funding for an e-commerce store, but you have an awesome product and you love it and you know, other people love it and you can get other people to love it. You just got to do everything you can to get it out there. So, um, that's definitely one of my tips. Um, another thing is, know what you do and do what you know. Um, So again, I'm sales and marketing and I've tried to dabble in like the branding part and product development and all that kind of stuff. And as much as I love it, I'm just, it's not me. I'm not really that good at it. Um, You know, I I see a product and I know if I like it or not, but I'm not the type of guy to go out and say like, okay, this is the process to do this or, you know, fulfillment and supply chain, all that kind of stuff. Like that's not what I know. So that's, I, tr- as much as I want to learn it and I, and I do like take time to try and learn all that kind of stuff. It's not what I do. Um, so I do sales and like sales and marketing and that is my, my forte. Um, and then maybe the last tip about that is, uh, I really like this phrase, a, a great sales 
friend of mine um, who works for a, a much, much, much larger company than we are, um, he told me some advice when I was first getting started. And he said, don't take no from someone who can't tell you yes. Um, and so when you're doing business development or, or sales or trying to get through kind of the traditional channels and you have to go through gatekeepers and stuff like that, if somebody tells you no, like don't take no from an answer because that person like gets paid to tell you no. And like that is the only response they get paid to say. Um, and so if you keep hounding and keep, you know, pressuring and hustling and trying to get in there in, in a, the nicest way possible, obviously, um, don't take no from someone who can't tell you yes. And when you get to that person, if they tell you yes or no, uh, before they're able to give you a final answer, kind of figure out what the best way is to approach that so that you do get a yes from the person who can tell you yes. That That's so true. And I, I had heard somewhere, I always say, most sales are done between the seventh and 19th time you approach them. That's why you just got to keep going because oh. all people, they say no, they say no. And I always, I think it's funny, the ones that say no to me are ones I actually end up getting. And then I'll say, hey, remember when you said that you weren't going to buy from me? <laughs> but- One of my best retailers is a guy who told me not just no, but he, verbatim, absolutely not. <laughs> he told me uh, it, just an old school Italian market in Southern California. They've got you know a handful of locations. They pick their products every Wednesday night. They have this big family dinner and the 90 year old great grandpa that started the whole thing, like taste the products and he's like, shouts it out. Yes or no kind of deal. Um, and they did that with me, Abella. And the guy said, I love this product, but absolutely not. <laughs> oh my. And he's like, it's too expensive. People won't buy it. The market doesn't know what it is. You know, there's too much education involved, that kind of stuff. And I just kept going back at him, going back. And I, and I was just, you know, what do I got to do? I mean, I'll do anything, you know, what, I mean, I'll come out and sell it for you on consignment, whatever. And he said, come back during the holidays. And I came back during the holidays and he, uh, he still said no during the holidays. And I said, okay, how about this? You pick the weekend, you pick the place. I'll come out for four hours and you only have to buy from me what I sell. And he's like, fine. And we sold, I think it was over 40 bottles in three hours. Wow. Yeah, it was killer. And now this guy's awesome. Now he doesn't place orders. He just sends me a check. And I know how much, based on the amount of money he sent me See, the check, how much product he needs. Now, there's a lesson to be learned there. So I, I've done a lot of the pedaling you have. I mean, I, I own an ice business. But in the early days, I had to go to different retail outlets and try to get them as a customer and steal them away from my competitors. Right. And they'll say, buy until you die. I mean, you're going to buy from me. I'm going to keep coming back. And the thing is, if you're really good at what you do and you provide great service or a great product, eventually, if you have a competitor that's in that store, if they make a mistake and you continuously show up, if that person makes a mistake, the other person is going to know about you, then they're going to go to you. Absolutely. So you, and it goes back to the, I like how you say in football, what you learned is you may not be the most talented, but you're not willing to work the other person. For me, I was the same way. I wasn't the most talented, but I would always want to outwork the person ahead of me. So if you're going to relate that to business or marketing in terms, it's hustle. I mean, the best marketers are people that are going to hustle the most and continuously show up, show their face. And eventually the sale will be done. So the hustlers are the best marketers. Yep. And you clearly know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
you and I are both early risers. I mean, you were telling me you wake up at 5.30. I, I yep. try to wake up as early as possible. I don't quite get 5.30 <laughs> every day, but, you know, it's the rise and grind mentality. Like, get up, meet the day, and well, you know, make if, those calls. And Yeah, I mean, like you said, you love your product, and that drives you to sell it, and I love what I do. So, I mean, when I wake up, I'm passionate about what I do, and yep. for any entrepreneur, if you're passionate about what you do or passionate about your product that you believe in, it'll sell itself. And people will see that you love it, so they're going to buy into that as well, and then they'll love the product. Totally. Th- that's big with sales. So you clearly got that figured out. Uh, it's awesome. And you you and I are much alike because you grew up in a restaurant business. I grew up in an ice business. A little different, but we both seen at a young age what it was like to succeed. And we learned from our fathers who were great yeah. entrepreneurs. And I, I mean, I guess we're, we're Spartans of entrepreneurship and we're ahead of the game we have a competitive advantage over everybody else so what do you see what is your long-term vision what is your long-term vision Peyton with Mia Bella so Mia Bella um, although we launched with a single product and that's you know Mia Bella balsamic and we wanted to brand that category and, and that's kind of still our goal um, long term for Mia Bella is is right now we are sourcing products that are the purest, most traditional, highest quality that you can get. Um, and so we're, we're re- getting ready to launch this holiday season, um, hopefully, you know, supply chain stuff that I'm not good at, that I have other people yeah, helping with. same here. We're, we're getting ready to launch olive oil. Um, and we're going with a super premium, high-end, single varietal olive oil um, from one of the top producers in the world. He's been fantastic to work with. Um, and so... We want to provide people with that type of quality of product. And so, you know, a lot of people using Mia Bell as an example would think, okay, well, why don't you guys do flavors? Why don't you, you know, add other balsamic flavors like strawberry and chocolate and all that kind of stuff. And for us, that takes away from the purity of the product. Um, and it also cannibalizes your, your sales of that, that particular skew. Um, and so what we're trying to do is, is create a catalog of complementary products. So balsamic and olive oil go fantastic together. Um, you know, we're going to do, we're looking at getting into different spices and salts and seasonings, um, that will complement, you know, the meat dishes that you're making with our products. Um, and so that, that's our whole goal with Miabella is to brand categories and be like the category leader that's providing the purest, highest quality product that can possibly be sourced. You'll be like the the Apple of the computer products, the best, in my mind, the best computer. You're going to be in Mia Bella, the best of the balsamic vinegars. I love it. I love it. Great way to explain it. it yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it, you should do that for your products. Try to become the best in your field and it will sell itself and you will become the most successful in that field. So in life, I mean, you've been in the restaurant business. You've been in a multiple other businesses and with me and Bella. Before we go here, I want to learn, or not learn, I want to hear from you, I guess, your top three tips that you would give to any entrepreneur out there, young entrepreneur. What tips would you give them for success in life? Um, I mean, it, go, it goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. You know, know what you do and do what you know. Uh, really spend some time reflecting on that. Um, cause if you don't and you try to be something you're not, or you try to do something you're not good at, um, without taking the time to learn, um, it can put you back. Um, and, and so definitely 
kind of figure out what that is for you, what you're passionate about and, and go after it and run after it as fast as you can. Um, if you fail, uh, I, I failed with a handful of businesses, um, that I've tried to launch or did launch and had for a while. Um, failures in my mind aren't necessarily necessarily failures. They're more of stepping stones. They just help you learn. Um, they teach you something not only about yourself, but about business in general. Yes. Um, and so take those lessons learned and start again. Um, and, and don't waste any time doing that. Um, also don't be afraid to learn from other people who are already doing it. Don't be afraid to partner up with people or, um, you know, I talk about, or I tell people not like, I'm not a job type guy. I know I'm not going to go get a nine to five. It's just not something that I'm about. I don't enjoy. Um, that doesn't mean you can't go get quote unquote jobs. Um, I've had some fantastic jobs where the person I was working with was the direct owner of the company and I had full autonomy and they acted more as a mentor to me and helped me teach, you know, help teach me the tools that I have now. And, um, so don't be afraid to learn from somebody who's already doing something. Um, you and I, for example, we, we have our dads that were great mentors for us and we worked with and, and learned from them. Um, you know, I, I worked with a physical therapy company really early on selling physical therapy, uh, I had full freedom to, to set my own schedule and hours and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the guy who owned the clinic, he was a sales guy and he threw me out to the sharks and we'd get together and, and he taught me so much. Um, so don't be afraid to go learn from somebody as well. No, uh, you got all great stuff there. And like I've always yeah. said, failure is a stepping stone towards your success. Uh, if you want to succeed, find somebody who's found success already, fall in their footsteps, have a great mentor. It's your mastermind group. And also do what you know and what you don't know, have others do. Yeah. <laughs> Them are some big tips. I mean, you hit on some big ones there. You and I are obviously a lot alike. Uh, you've done some great stuff. And hey, Peyton, I, I want I want to be down in Arizona. I'm hoping to make it down there within the next six months. I, for one, want to eat at Cogburn. And two, want to see everything with me at Bella, meet you and everybody else. I think it'd be awesome. Now, before we go, where can everybody find you and where can they get this awesome product? So um, I'm a huge networker. Uh, I love meeting new people and talking with people. So definitely connect on LinkedIn. Um, just Peyton Lasivita. I don't think there's too many out there. Um, Twitter, you can follow me at uh, Peyton Lasivita which is easy enough. Twitter for Mia Bella is at Dear Mia Bella, D-E-A-R, like writing a, a love letter. Um, and then Instagram, I, I like photos, you know, just like every other foodie, you take pictures of everything. <laughs> um, so at Peyton Lasivita there and at Dear Mia Bella um, there, I'm, I'm pretty open. Um, so send me a message if you have questions or want to talk or feel like there's opportunities or anything like that. So Hey, Peyton, I just want to say I appreciate what you're doing, your grind. You are like me, and you're working your ass off to get places in this world, and you have great products, and you stand for something. It's not just you doing it for the money. You're actually doing it to make a difference. So keep doing it, man. I love what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, in the meantime, that's it for today's show, everybody. Go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life's too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope 
hope you enjoyed today's show with Peyton. I had a lot of fun with him. Him and I are a lot alike. We both grew up in a family business. We saw what it was like at a young age to succeed in business and learn from our fathers. And I can't wait to meet him someday down in Phoenix. And I urge you, go to Amazon and buy me a Bella. I'm going to buy it for my father. He loves to cook. It's a great product. And I'll link everything up on the notes so you can purchase me a Bella. Before we go, I want to tell you guys my site is up, keystothecrowd.com. I just launched that, www.keystothecrowd.com. Right now, we have a great crowdfunding campaign going on. It's called Hybrid Backpack with a Purpose. The backpack is called Nordstrom, and it's an awesome backpack. If you like to travel, hike, this backpack is for you. It's high quality, and not only that, for every bag that's purchased, they're supporting an orphan. So not only getting a great product out of it, but you're doing some good as well and helping somebody in need. I'll link that Indiegogo campaign on my website, and it's hybrid backpack with a purpose. I bought my backpack today. I pledged to the campaign. You should too. I highly suggest it. You're not going to go wrong with this backpack. I've been working hands-on with this project, and they are doing awesome. So check out their campaign and pledge to it and make a difference today. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. In the meantime, Go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.